Well, good morning. No, man, you just leave it, leave it there. You're not moving that stuff. It's like taped to the floor, bro. Okay, anyway, sorry. I forgot I was in public. Uh, having a conversation with Dan. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 9, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, the ninth chapter. And as you're flipping there, uh, a couple things. Uh, it's good to see you here. Uh, thank you for being uh, here at Crosspoint this morning. I want to say uh, thank you for all who came out to uh, Vision Night last Sunday. Uh, if you would have asked me about a month ago how many I thought would be there and be a successful night, I would have said about 40. Uh, we had like 110. And so anyway, I appreciate everybody coming out. And we had a bunch of people sign up for things. And uh, you'll, if you signed up for things, you'll be hearing from uh, your team leader in the next week uh, or so. Uh, and so I appreciate all of that. Uh, again, I want to thank Miss Patty and uh, Miss Tiffany and Miss Charlie for helping set up food and decorating nice and things like that. It was a great time uh, as a church. Uh, Luke this morning is at First Baptist Church of McGee. Uh, he is filling in for Brother Jim Taylor. Uh, and, and so a lot of us know Brother Jim Taylor. Uh, and so anyway, Luke's filling in for him. So we'll lift him up as he's preaching, uh, preaching there. Uh, let's see what other announcements I have. Uh, tonight uh, is our small group leader uh, slash host home uh, training. And so uh, if you uh, currently lead uh, a small group or plan to or uh, desire to or uh, host, uh, then we ask you to be here. It'll be quick, five to six. We're not going to take much of your time. Uh, so tonight uh, is going to be a little informal. It's just going to be an opportunity for us as a staff to hear from you. Uh, how you've been leading over the past year or so, how things are going, how do you, how's your, how, what's the health of your group look like, just kind of get some assessment uh, and things like that. And the next Sunday, uh, we'll lay out some new uh, framework and vision for how we're looking at small groups to operate in the future. And so that's, what the, that's why we broke it down to two weeks. One week is just really to hear uh, from you uh, and for us to encourage you next week is our, this is what uh, it's going to look like moving forward. And uh, so we're excited uh, about that. Let's see what else I have. Uh, I think that's it. Matthew chapter 9. Uh, the past three weeks, so two weeks ago, we started a series called Sent, uh, where we as a church are, are, are looking, we're hoping to, for really two things to happen. One, for us uh, to see the mission of God, to see, uh, I know one of the things that I'm really trying to uh, teach here at Crosspoint is one of the way that we look at the scriptures, the way that we look at the Bible, not as in just this ancient book that's two different books that have two different gods or something like that, but, but to see the Bible as one story uh, and for one, uh, really one central message, and that is God's redemption of man and the story and the plan of how uh, he, he, how really what it is, this one story that's broken down into different segments of time, uh, but it culminates in the person of Christ. Whenever the Son of God took on flesh, uh, he lived among us, bore the, the, the weight of sin on a cross, he was buried, uh, he, was, he, he raised again from the dead, defeating the grave and defeating uh, death, and then he ascended on high, where he's now sitting at the right hand of the Father, one day to return to make all things new. That's the story of Scripture. 
Uh, that's the, and that's one of the things that we're, we're trying to teach here uh, is that we, that we can see God at work and how God uh, has always been about the, uh, his own mission of redeeming man for his glory. So we're in a series called Sent, where we're, two weeks ago we looked at really the mission of God throughout the scriptures we covered really from creation all the way to culmination in, uh, uh, in Revelation. We taught the whole Bible in about 40 minutes. And so we worked real hard. We got through that. And then last week, Luke, uh, we kind of zoomed back into Matthew chapter 9, where we talked about how Christ, uh, Jesus Christ, that he was sent by the Father. Uh, that the Father sent him for a purpose. We see Jesus even at a young age, uh, up to around the age of 12, knowing that he was sent from the Father to be about the Father's business. And his life was defined by what he was sent to do. That he was, he was about his father's business to, to, to bring about the redemption of mankind. And inside that, we understood that that's where Jesus' identity came from, their security and who he was in his calling. That's what Luke talked about last week. Well, this morning, what we want to talk about uh, and this idea of being sent is that Jesus came to meet needs with truth and love. And that we as a church, so right now, it's going to progress. And so we're, we're going from seeing, we want to, first of all, we want to see God at work. We want to see God's plan and see the way that God redeems. And then eventually the call is going to be to join God at work. So right now we're still in the seeing process and the seeing format of this sermon series where we're seeing what God, we started with God the Father, he sends God the Son, and now we're looking into the life of God, the ministry of God the Son being Jesus. So Matthew. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Uh, We'll read these each week. It says this, And Jesus went throughout all of the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. That second part of verse 35 is where we'll hang out this morning, but let's keep reading. Verse 36, And when the And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your your great word, uh, both the written word and the living word. Uh, God, we pray that your spirit will illuminate our hearts, uh, our eyes, and our ears this morning. God, we pray that your holy word will do what it is as it is intended to do, and that is to speak to our hearts, to guide us. We trust your spirit to guide us in the truth. Uh, this morning, and it's in his Christ's name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. So what we're doing, you know, just follow the, the progression. We, we started from a very big high view of, of looking at Scripture, the whole storyline of Scripture as redemption. And uh, then we saw Jesus being sent. And so there's the, the, the incarnation is the most tangible way that we see the mission of God, that God became man. So last week we zoomed into that and we saw that we understand that the Father sent the Son. This morning, we're going to dig, really focus in even more and see how the Son of God carried about uh, the, the will of the Father as he lived. We know that he came ultimately to die. 
We came, we know that he came to, to bear the wrath of, of God for the sin of the world, to be buried, to be raised again. But there were some 33 years that he lived. And that life is very important for us, and definitely as Christ followers, to know how he lived, because we don't have to die a death that he died by no means. We're not going to, uh, we're going to get buried and we don't have to be raised again to defeat death. However, we are called to be Christ followers. We're called to, to live like Christ, to follow Christ. And so this morning, let's look at how Christ met need. So it says in verse 35b, so last week as he went throughout all the cities and villages. Now, the second part of verse 35 says, teaching in their synagogue. So he's teaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And the second part of his ministry was healing every disease and every affliction. If you're taking notes, number one is this, is that that Jesus met both physical and spiritual needs with truth and love. So part of Jesus's ministry uh, that really uh, we're going to look at even more here as we go is that he came to be, meet both physical and spiritual needs, and he did both of those with truth and love. If you flip back a little bit, if you have your Bible with you, if not, I think it's going to come up on the screen, but in, in Matthew chapter four uh, really begins this section of scripture. And so if you're not familiar with reading the Bible, I'm, I'm going to teach you a little bit of technique of how to read the Bible, because a lot of times what happened is definitely in the Gospels is that like there will be like uh, certain ways that are the things that were written to kind of encapsulate uh, a season or a moment, if you will. And so if you look at uh, Matthew chapter four, verses 20, verse 23 uh, through 25, this is what we read. It says, and he went throughout all of Galilee and see if it sounds familiar to Matthew chapter nine teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. All right, so that's exactly what we just read in Matthew chapter nine, right? Everybody follow me? Uh, and so what we understand is that when Matthew begins to write this gospel, uh, he, he starts in the chapters four, really, Matthew chapter four, verse 23, all the way to Matthew 9, 38, is really this encapsulating of Jesus's ministry over, the, over this time and in this place. And so whenever he was here, uh, his ministry was teaching and preaching. So you have truth there. He, he, he's about the truth of God. He's teaching and preaching, but he's also healing every disease and affliction. This is the ministry of the son of God while he's walking on this earth, teaching and healing. In Matthew chapter five, what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, right? We've heard of it. This, so this is encapsulated in these brackets of chapter four, we travel through the land, and chapter nine, we travel through the land. In the beginning of that is Matthew chapter five through chapter seven, where we have the Sermon on the Mount, where he is teaching and he's preaching the kingdom. Right. We understand that this is the portion of scripture. Uh, maybe you're not familiar with scripture and you've heard things like let your light shine before men. Maybe you've heard people talking about being the salt and light of the earth. That's kind of some familiar lingo that you don't necessarily have to be a part of church to hear. At least people talk about that. That's where we get the teachings, the Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about being the salt and light of the world or uh, treat others as you'd like to be treated, the golden rule and things like like All of that is found in the Sermon on the Mount. So he spends, Matthew spends these couple chapters here, him teaching and really getting all up in our business, talking about 
uh, committing, don't commit adultery and don't store up treasures here on earth and, uh, and really just don't build your house upon the sand. He's really getting our business. And then we get to chapter eight and he comes down off the mountain. And the first thing he does is he hugs a leper. Uh, he heals a leper. So now you see his ministry as not only this teaching side, but he's also performing this healing and miracles. So chapter eight begins with this crazy healing of a leper. And Matthew spends the next chapter eight all the way through chapter nine on the healing side of Jesus's ministry. So we see this isn't just something we're coming up with. We can look this scripture and say that Jesus's ministries were teaching and preaching and also healing every disease and affliction, meeting people's needs, both physically and spiritually. Everybody with me? This means yes. Uh, when I was at Salem Heights, uh, that we they used to always have a Bible conference every year, uh, and there was a guy named was it James Merritt, Anna? That was the guy who put it on, and he had a list. Some of you may know James Merritt had a little list, and so he would always say, "Are you with me?" And this means yes, and this means no. And then he would always go, and this means I don't give a whip. Uh, and so. Anyway, I, I, that's what always goes on in my mind when I think about that. Anyway, it just means I don't give a whip of what you're saying. Uh, good guy. Uh, so Jesus met uh, both physical and spiritual needs. And this is just a side note, by the way. Uh, we don't get to pick and choose which one of those Jesuses we want to follow, by the way. Uh, for many of us, we want the Jesus of Matthew chapter 8 who hugs the leper, but we don't want the Jesus of Matthew chapter 6 who says, don't cheat on your wife. Uh, and so, but he, he, this is his full ministry. It is a, it's encapsulating who he is. He, he preached the kingdom, he preached repentance, and he also loved on the needy and met physical needs. The point is, is that Jesus did both of these perfectly, and John encapsulates that very well in the first chapter of his gospel. It's going to come up on the screen. John chapter 1, verse 14, when he says this about Jesus, says, the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, who is full of grace and full of truth. Jesus had the ability to be fully capable of being full of grace and full of truth. He had a full capability to preach the gospel, call people to repent, at the same time, love them and meet their greatest needs physically at the same time. That's why he's the savior of the world, by the way. He had the ability to do that. We struggle with it, and we struggle definitely uh, in the Bible Belt, Mississippi, where oftentimes we like to be known more about what we're against than what we are for. Uh, we start looking at people who seem like they're all about loving on people, and we label them the social gospel. Uh, then we have the other side of the picture that's like, uh, no, all they do is preach hellfire and brimstone. They don't really love their brother. And so uh, well, this morning, I don't want us to begin to point fingers about this is that and the other. What I want to show you is that Christ is the example of how we can do both of those and be both of those as a church. That we do not have to forsake, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Faithfulness to the gospel uh, for the sake of, reaching our brother or our sister. But at the same time, we don't have to uh, do the opposite of that, right? We, we can, there's a way for us as a church, by Christ's example, to, to be all about gospel-driven, but at the same time, be the hands and feet of Christ to those who are in need. 
It's very, very possible because Christ, A, he did, he, he fulfilled that, but he also enables us to do what he calls us to do. And what we will eventually get to, we're still in the sea. Eventually, we're going to be at the join part of sin where Jesus says, as the fathers, as, check that, as the father sent me, now I send you. As in the same manner that my father sent me is the same manner that I am now sending you. But we're not there yet. Just kind of give you where we're headed. Number two, if you're taking notes, the spiritual needs of people are met by preaching uh, the truth of the gospel and the love of God. That's what I believe that, that the way that people's spiritual needs are met is by us preaching the truth of the gospel. Notice where you're going to see truth and love underlined all the way through this. Uh, so it's the preach that my spiritual needs are going to be met. Listen to me, lost and saved. Those needs are met through the preaching of the truths of the gospel and of the love of God. The reality is we are needy people, both spiritually and physically. But here's something that may be newsflash for you. The reason why we're physically needy is because we're spiritually needy. So just you say, uh, I'm bro- no, this, follow me here. There was a time where there, we, did, we, we had no needs. Adam and Eve walked perfectly and fellowship with their creator. He was the source of everything that they had. They had no desire or need unmet. But because when they chose to sin and disobey the one command of God, at that moment, we became needy spiritually and physically. Because at that moment, we were separated from the one who sustains us, who the one who is the source of all things. Uh, we do catechisms with Evie and one of the questions is, is what, in what condition did God make Adam and Eve? And the answer is happy and holy. That when Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve were created, they were, they were holy, they were perfect, but they were happy because they had everything that they needed. They were, in, they, were, they were in no need at all. But because of sin, we're now separated from those things. We need to hear the gospel. We need to hear the truth of the gospel. We need to be preach to the truth of the gospel. Our lost friends need to hear the truth of the gospel. We need to know that the love of, we need to know about the love of God in Christ Jesus. Scripture teaches that faith, first of all, that it's impossible to please God without faith. And it also teaches us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen to me. The reality is, is that people do not come to know Jesus apart from the preaching of the truths of the gospel. And could you imagine, actually Matthew chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, they're going to come up on the screen. I'm trying, to just, I'm trying not to cross-reference a lot right today. I'm trying to just stay in this little bracket that I started with. This is a framework to kind of show you to teach these truths. But in Matthew 9, verse uh, 11, this is after Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector, 
Uh, this is really cool. I've always wanted to do this as a church. I haven't done one yet, but Matthew's this tax collector. He, he follows Jesus, and the next scene, they're at that Matthew's house, and he has all of his other tax collectors and sinners friends there so that they can meet Jesus. I, I think it'd be real cool for us to have what we would call a Matthew party one day as a church. Uh, but anyway, that's in the future. But what we have here, so, so now Matthew has Jesus at his house. All his other tax collectors and sinners friends were there. And these were the low, like these were the outcasts of society. Uh, the tax collectors would have been seen as a traitor uh, because they went to work for Rome. So these people are the least of these. They are way down in the dumps. And so that's where Jesus is. And the Pharisees see it. And in verse 11, it says, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 12, it says, but when he heard it, he said, those who uh, are, are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. In the end, verse 13, he actually says, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so Jesus isn't saying here that the Pharisees are not sick. What he's saying is I've called to come, I've come to call people who know that they're sick, that understand that they're needy, that they have a spiritual issue, that the love of, listen to me, could you imagine the good news for these tax collectors, for this guy named Jesus to preach the truth to them, but tell them, but God loves you. That's not what I think about when I think about truth. I think about hellfire and brimstone. No, listen to me. Jesus met with these guys who were in the least of these. They they had been shunned their whole life. They were were spiritually impure. They were defiled. They probably couldn't worship in the temple. And Jesus meets with them and says, listen to me. My father has sent me to save you because he loves you. Now we're going to have to deal with this sin we're going to have to deal with your struggles. I'm going to pay for that eventually. And so what we see is Jesus embodying this ability to be walk out in truth and preach the gospel of the kingdom, but also preach the love of God. That's good news that no one is outside the love of God, that we can preach it to anyone. The gospel is so sufficient. Jesus is finished work on the cross and the empty grave is so sufficient that all we have to do is we can preach it to anyone and everyone. He who has an ear, let him hear. And if he can't hear, then we can sign it to him or write it and get some kind of like anybody that can hear the gospel, we can preach it to. We can preach the free news of the gospel that the son of God became man and he bore the wrath of sin so that all could be saved. We can freely preach that gospel message. Jesus preached the kingdom and he preached repentance. On the Sermon on the Mount, we see that, we see a mix. He preached truth and sometimes they were hard truths, but over and over again, he would remind them of a heavenly father as he was preaching through these. But listen to me this morning. There is no substitute for the preaching of the gospel. Zero. When I say preaching, I'm not just talking about me standing up here on Sunday mornings. I'm talking about where you work at, where we work at, where we hang out at, where we fellowship, in our hobbies, in our families. Jesus met spiritual needs by preaching the truths of the gospel and the love of God. Listen to me. 
Yes, the gospel is offensive and it may cause us to lose a friend potentially, but there is no substitute without the life-changing message of the gospel being shared because God has chosen that as the means for man to be saved or the message that gets the man to the means to be saved. And listen to me, church, you know that I believe this. That's the message that we need every Sunday morning, the truth of the gospel. You know, will the gospel preach every Sunday? By all means, it will preach every Sunday. Every Sunday, that's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, right? That I will remind you of the gospel, which you received, which you stand, which you are being saved. It is the gospel that we see the love of God. It is the gospel that we talked about this last week of vision night. It is the gospel that glorifies God, that justifies a sinner, and it sanctifies the saint. It is the gospel that does all those things. And man, the reality is, life's tough. I don't know if you've lived in the United States of America the past couple of years, but I need to be reminded of the gospel every day because if not, news is going to tell me something to worry about. Right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to give me something to, to keep me up at night. It's, gonna, it's just going to happen. Hey, I need to be reminded that Here's the gospel that you received and you have a standing with God that is, that is perfect. Why? Because the sinless Savior died, but he rose again. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding and he is, he is there on your behalf, pleading with the Father. Listen to me. I need to be told sometimes that my standing isn't of this world, but it's in, it's in heaven. Maybe I'm the only one. Somebody's out, somebody got to be out there other than the fleet that's hearing me. I need to be reminded sometimes that, that no matter, the reality is that after, after we get the COVID thing figured out, that get, the reality is that the mortality rate of the human, human person is still going to be 100%. Right? And I need to be reminded that, that I'm being saved and that one day that whenever I do breathe my last breath, whether it's COVID, cancer, or a car, the reality is I still will be in the presence of Jesus. I need to be reminded of that. So preaching the gospel isn't just for the unsaved, it's for the saved. And Jesus went and met the spiritual needs through the preaching of the truths of the gospel and the love of God. Number three, I got to move forward. I boiled everything down to like two pages, so I wouldn't go on those crazy. But here we are. Number three. So we meet needs by the teaching and preaching of the gospel and love of God. We, and then number three, we show the love of God by meeting physical needs and displaying the truth of the gospel. Catch that? So there's a preaching of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. There's also a, a displaying the truth of the gospel. Right? Like the gospel truth impacts my life but it, be, it is seen by when I'm living the truth of those gospels out in the way that I treat my neighbor and how I treat others. As I've said, the same Jesus that's 
up in our business in Matthew through seven, Matthew five through seven, and Matthew chapter eight. Check this out, verses one. So when he came down, so this is immediately after he gets done preaching the finest sermon that's ever been preached. Verse one, he says, and when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. He couldn't get away from them. Verse two, and behold, a leper. Pause for a moment. Let's just say that this person should not be where he was. If there's great crowds around, this leper, by the law and society, should be way outside the camp in its own colony, not around people because they're unclean, they're contagious, they're defiled, they should not be there. But this leper came up to him and just knelt before him. I could see the religious leaders going, what's he going to do? This leper's unclean. And our our English translation says in verse 3 that Jesus just stretched out his hand and he touched him saying, be clean. But in the the original language, it's not just like this. It's literally that Jesus reached out and embraced the leper, that he, he put his arms around this unclean individual, fully embracing. So we see Jesus, not just one who's preaching the repentance and preaching the kingdom, but he's putting his arm around the leper. He's cleaning the unleper. It's a beautiful picture. Ultimate, the reality is that we're called to be the hands and feet. We're called to love one another. We're called to meet physical needs. We don't just preach the gospel at people. We, we love people. And I'm thankful that Crosspoint is a church that, that, does, that does serve people. Hey, I've seen this church rally up and go put tarps on roofs and, and cut trees off of houses. I've seen them, seen us drive to Denham Springs after the flood. I've seen them, I've seen this church do food drives and can drives and water drives. Hey, I, I'm thankful that we're a church that loves people. And so what I want you to hear when I, everything that I'm saying in this direction of the church that I'm like, I'm saying, like I'm put like, you know, saying we've never done any of this, any of this right. Don't ever, please never hear me say that as we're talking about where we're headed as a church. I'm not sentencing anybody to the past saying we failed as a church. That's not anything. What I'm saying is, is, hey, man, I know this is the place where people, you wouldn't be here if you didn't love, love people. I don't think. Because Crosspoint is a loving place. We rally quick. We'll do whatever we got to do to take care of people. We don't ignore the needs of people and call it being focused on what really matters and preaching the gospel. Meeting needs is what Jesus was about, so we should be too. And there are needs all around us. And that's really the fourth aspect of us seeing is that that God would begin to open our eyes to see needs around us. That's one of the applications we're going with, that God will allow us to see. And not just allow the pastors to see. That's not what the culture we're trying to create. The culture we're trying to create is that as you're living your life, you're doing your thing, you're being your great commissionary where you're going, that you see a need and we as a church join you as, you, as you're moving and going. So that he gives us all eyes to see that you're not waiting on us to, to call a shot. We're going to love our community this way. Obviously there are going to be those moments, but the the biggest part is that, that we all individually begin to see needs and we'll meet those needs. It's the age-old saying that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Some of the greatest gospel messages and 
sermons that ever have been preached is not from a stage, but in a golf cart with people talking at a hair salon or at a restaurant or at a family dinner table. Because it's people that we're intentionally investing in and loving on so that we will have the opportunity to share this great news together. So boiling these two together, meeting physical needs without sharing the truth of the gospel equals no love. If we say that we love someone, yet we do not share with them at any moment the only message of hope, and we truly do not love them. At the same time, sharing truth while ignoring physical needs is no love either. Number four, the mission goal, the goal of missions is for people to come to know God through his love and his truth. And we got to be about both of those. So what's the application this morning? What does this look like? What does this mean for us? It's the same application I had two weeks ago, and I've talked about it over and over again. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm really good at being redundant and repeating. When I was in school, they, this is how the, my preaching class said, hey, what you do is you, you, you tell those who are going to listen to you that you're going to tell them what you're going to tell them, then you're going to tell them, then you're going to tell them what you told them, and that's your sermon. Uh, and so... Anyway, what, what's the application here? What For us as a church, what is our hope? What's our prayer? What's our plea? Is that we see. That we see the story of God. That God takes ordinary individual people and uses them for his glory and his purpose. If you're at the 5,000 food truck, Mr. Bill, or if you're at the hospital, Miss Patty, no matter where, I'm sorry, I just went from literally far, that I'm not calling. Anyway, no matter where you are, God uses you to be a part of his story. That's the reality. I want us to see that. I want us to see it before we just say, yes, I want us to see it. God's method, he uses ordinary people God's call, we can look at scripture and see year, generation after generation after generation after generation after generation that God called somebody to be obedient to him. But it was ordinary life for them, but God used somebody to do something that he needed for his purpose. We see that God's compassion for meeting needs. So we see those things. We see the needs around us. And the second thing is that we join. That we join God in his work he's already doing. That we join him. That we accept his call in our life. He said, we're not there yet, but there's going to be a point in this series that we say, as Jesus said, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. That we as a church body, corporately, individually go, yes, yes, I'm a part of that. Yes, I want to be a part of that. And it's not something I'm creating. It's, it, we're seeing what God's doing, right? This isn't a church-made program. It's the blueprint that God lays out in the scriptures that this is who the church is. This is what they do. And we say, we join that. And we meet needs in his power. So I got a question this morning. Understanding it, who it was that Jesus came and preached the gospel to, 
who the needs he met. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Hey, are you tired? Are you broken? Does your life not put together? Are you messed up and you're just, you came in here, you, you got a smile on your face for the reality is you are tired and you really didn't even want to be here this morning. You just felt like it was the right thing for you to do. Maybe you've made mistake after mistake after mistake in your life. Maybe your family has written you off to be a, a, a person who all you're going to do is make mistakes. I want you to tell you this morning that you're exactly who Jesus Christ came to die for. How can I know that? Because I can read Matthew chapter 4 through Matthew chapter 9 and see that he went through from village to village, teaching and preaching the kingdom, meeting with tax collectors, meeting with sinners, meeting with people who were messed up and jacked up and say, hey, I came, the Father sent me to die for you. That's how we apply scripture. We read it and go, hey, this is who Jesus was going to. You are who Jesus came for. This morning, he's calling you to trust in him, to believe in him. The good news of the gospel is that he came because you were spiritually, you and I are spiritually needy and broken. And like Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid, but one of the first things they did was find some fig leaves and try to cover up their nakedness. In their own strength, they were trying to cover up that which made them embarrassed before God. It's really the first case of self-righteousness. They were trying to cover up their issues by their own strength and their own wit. And I feel like that's many people, especially here in Bible Belt, Mississippi, we feel like I can, I can cover my needs. I can put on a mask. I can put on a front because I know all the, I'm close enough to church things that I can blend into those things. But the reality is, is that right now in this moment, the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, knocking on your heart, saying, trust Jesus. Believe in him because he will receive you just like he did those tax collectors and sinners at Matthew's table. And he will give you life. He'll give you a purpose. He will call you to join in the Father's will and purposes. He will offer you a life as far above anything this world can offer. Not in riches and fame and ease purpose and destiny and hope. Hey, this morning, uh, I want to pray, uh, us as a church, I want us to pray for Blake and Brittany Sherman. Uh, their little baby boy, uh, Lake, has got a pretty big uh, surgery tomorrow. Uh, and so if they were going to be here, I was going to get them to come down front. We're going to pray over them, but they've been, Blake's working this morning, but they were also asked to stay at home because exposure to people and stuff like that. And so they're leaving this afternoon. They'll stay up there tonight. And they're going to have a surgery tomorrow morning. I can't tell you it's crazy what all they're doing. Uh, but they feel confident in the surgeon and things like that. And they trust God. And so this is to some health issues he's been having, but also for a, a better future. 
Uh, and so they made a decision to go ahead and have a surgery now. So I see Miss Lynn and Mr. Richard back there. And so obviously, how old is Lake, Miss Lynn? Yeah, he'll be, so he's about to be, about to be one this week. And so obviously it's a, it's a big deal. So I, I told Blake and Brittany that us as a church, we will lift them up this morning. And so I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand. Um, we don't do stuff like this, but you know, I know Blake and Brittany's not there. But I'm just going to ask you to kind of just put your hand forward as if they were here spiritually. We're going to lay our hands on Blake and Brittany and baby Lake. And I'm going to give us a time as a church to just kind of pray to ourselves. Actually, I'm going to ask you to pray out loud. We're going to get real weird up in this place. Uh, on count of three, I'm going to ask everybody to just start lifting up. You got Blake and Brittany, Lake, Aubrey, uh, Mr. Richard, Miss Lynn. And just pray for the family and the surgeons. So on count of three, we're all going to start praying out loud. And then I'll pray over us. And then the band to come out and lead us. One, two, three. Everybody pray. We come to you now. We lift up baby Lake. Yeah, we know that you knew him before you formed, formed him in his mother's womb. Got a part of him being formed in his mother. God, you, you very detailed uh, put him together the way that he is. And God, we know that right now that he's not anywhere that you didn't know he wouldn't be. So God, we pray for his body. God, we pray for the, the doctors and the surgeons. Um, God, we pray for Brittany. Um, God, that you will be near to her and Blake as well. God, that you will increase their trust and their faith in you. God, I pray for Mr. Richard and Miss Lynn as they're Trusting you, God, that you will meet their needs. You'll be close to them. God, I pray for Brittany's parents as well, and aunts and uncles and everybody, the whole family. God, we trust you. God, we understand that you love Lake more than any of us do. So, God, we, we trust you that you're going uh, to heal him, take care of him. And we, we pray for the day that Lake comes to know you already. God, we thank you that you gave him godly parents and family to help raise him up. God, we pray for us as a church, God, that we'll be a church about your gospel, preaching the truths of your gospel, but God, we'll also be a truth that is showing and displaying the love of God to those around us, our brothers and sisters in Christ and those who do not know you. God, make us more like Jesus. God, I think that's the goal I think that's the aim of sanctification is to transform us to the image of your son, God. So we are praying that your Holy Spirit will continue to sanctify us as we look to your word, as we pray in dependence and walk in obedience and trust in you. God, we love you. 
It's in Christ's name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Let's sing together.